Hello, everyone. This is Leah Freeberg from Fluke Reliability, and thanks for joining us for this best practices webinar. You probably know Fluke as a test tools provider, and you may also know that we produce some of the industry's favorite reliability tools, from infrared cameras to vibration meters. But you may not know that many of the measurements that our tools collect now flow automatically into EAM systems of record. It happens via a framework that we call Fluke Excelix. Our goal at Fluke Reliability is to better connect asset management data and teams with asset management systems to drive connected knowledge. And of course, that knowledge depends greatly on best practices in condition-based maintenance. So that's why this series of webinars explores reliability maintenance strategies. And that's where we feature speakers from a variety of expert backgrounds. Before the presentation, we do have a few housekeeping items to go over. Today's session is being recorded, so your phone lines will be muted to minimize background noise. We will be answering questions during the session and after the presentation in the Q&A. So take a minute now to find the questions tool in the GoToWebinar dashboard. Please feel free to submit questions as we go, because I will share as many of your questions as time allows for our presenter to answer while we are sharing this demonstration. If we have unanswered questions at the end, we will follow up with written answers. If you'd like to receive the slides from today's presentation, please let us know during the survey that will appear at the end of the session. So don't hang up until that survey appears and you've answered the questions. We're also happy to send you a certificate of attendance after today's webinar. You'll see a question on the survey about getting a certificate, answer yes, and we'll send one to you. A recording of this webinar will be available on the excelix.com website within a day or two. And that it, that's it for housekeeping. Now for the main event. Today, we are very pleased to have with us Nicole Rochelle presenting on using business intelligent tools to achieve reliability maintenance goals. So using BI to bring key data points together can shine an all new light on maintenance operations. But the practice is pretty new and there are lots of questions about how it's done and we are tremendously fortunate to have Nicole with us today to demonstrate the groundwork that she's built. So let's meet our speaker. Nicole Rochelle is the BI developer for Monogram Foods where her role is to foster continuous improvement for data analytics and drive operational efficiency, consumer insights, innovation and customer experience through Power BI. By fostering visibility for analytics throughout the organization, Nicole improves the business's ability to discover problems and make decisions. Nicole has over 10 years of experience implementing technology projects, developing organizational requirements, and analyzing support strategies and processes to facilitate improved operations and efficiency while utilizing the safe, agile, and lean Six Sigma philosophies. Her experience includes developing data validation strategies, designing reports using various reporting tools, analytics, machine learning, and AI. Nicole has an MBA from Delta State University in Cleveland, as well as a master's in economics, geospatial information technology, and management. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you for being with us today. Hey, everybody. So happy to be here. So, Nicole, you've been on the forefront of this, of using BI for maintenance operations. And I know firsthand that the maintenance team at Monogram Foods is thrilled by the results. Can you give us a quick before and after of where this project started? Sure. So it started with, as everybody knows, you know, you start with a bunch of spreadsheets. 
and nobody, they would pull it from D365 to Emate to Factory Ground to several different third parties. And they were like, how in the world are we going to make all these spreadsheets talk to each other and work? So I introduced, this is my first project at Monogram. I haven't been here very long, not even a year yet. Introduced BI and, and actually integrated those spreadsheets into the business intelligence tool that, which is Power BI that Microsoft's put out. And that's how I got started. And it has just morphed into something that I will demo later in the actual webinar. So it's exciting. It's fun. Everybody's enjoying it and using it. So That's it's scary, awesome. but it's not it it's it's not a task you can't you cannot undertake. Right. It looks scary when you don't know what it is, but then you see it and it becomes it becomes achievable. Yep. So audience, we are going to give you a chance to get involved here. I'm going to start this poll and I would like everyone to chime in. Which of these maintenance metrics do you track? Now, if you can't see the poll yet, perhaps you may need to change your screen view. If you have it maximized, you can shrink it down. So your questions are, and you can check, click as many of these as apply. Do you track percent of on-time PM completion? Do you track inventory? Do you track downtime? Do you track cost of maintenance? Or other is fine as well. I'm sure that there are a lot of others, but you know, mostly we're looking at to get a sense of what you are already doing, regardless of what tool you're collecting this in. So which of these metrics are you are you tracking in any way? And I'd love to get about, there we go, about three quarters of the audience voting. I'm gonna give it another five seconds or so. So click, click, click as many of these answers that apply to you. Looks like we're pretty solid. I'm gonna close this down and share the results. Okay, so Nicole, we have 69% of the audience who are measuring on time, percent on-time PM completion, 52% are measuring inventory, 72% are measuring downtime, and 70% are measuring cost of maintenance, and then we have 33% in the other category. So to me, this looks pretty good, but what do you think, Nicole? Do you absolutely. have a basis? Yeah? Oh, absolutely. I can show three of the of the four so i'm Excellent. not tracking downtime yet but i'm getting there i bet you are all right thank you audience that was awesome i'm going to hide that poll and is my screen back sharing yes excellent okay i'm going to hand it over to you to give us some background absolutely so the major goal is to provide real world examples of how bi helps groups use data visualizations. Um, internally understand what's working, where where you can improve, externally prove the value of maintenance in an objective and easy to understand format. During this webinar, we'll demonstrate how BI can draw conclusions by discovering relationships between data and metrics, as well as defund budgets, justify increases for maintenance, reliability, that's a part of the asset part of EMAT and actually extend the life cycles of assets that will be part of your downtime. Uh, what we hope you'll see and take away, and my hope is that you'll see where the rubber meets the road, how you can connect, how you can get started, um, that this is not scary. Um, it changes good and it will help you 
understand the data and put it to good use instead of it just being in a bunch of Excel spreadsheets. So uh, hopefully you'll get a good feel, good feel for in your organization what your next steps will be during your BI journey. So everybody, the major thing, not only with how to connect to BI and oh my goodness, how do we make this work? The major issue is oh my goodness, what metrics do I use? How do I understand what metrics? How do I even know what calculations to do? A lot of people get overwhelmed with measures and metrics and they're just words, guys, they're just words. So they, it's very easy to, once you get in there, the data will speak for itself. That once you start using it, it's like whenever you start meeting somebody for the first time. Uh, you don't really know that person, you don't really know the data, but as you start talking with that person and understanding the data, you really start understanding what the questions are. So um, you'll understand what what's relevant, what's valid. Sometimes you'll put something out there and that really doesn't provide any value. Well, you tried it. You got to at least try something to and put something out there and before you can understand patterns and what's happening. So. So a lot of people don't understand what business intelligence means. Uh, business intelligence is an umbrella term that covers data visualizations, data tools, data mining, data normalizations. You want to make data-driven decisions. The major takeaway for business intelligence, and especially for any, any type of BI tool, whether it's Tableau, Spotfire, Looker, which is Google Analytics, or Power BI, is that you can connect and consume multiple data sources. That is the major takeaway, is that it helps the users draw conclusions and present it clearly so people can understand it and you can draw charts and graphs and uh, quick gauges and measures that people can look at quickly. But the major takeaway that is that you can pull in multiple sources. So you can make all your data talk to each other. Uh, some misconceptions of business intelligence uh, that people have is uh, success in business intelligence does not require heavy upfront investment. There's a huge effort required to get up and running. Um, data scientists, access to all systems and data, that's all fiction. It, you don't. The reality is a business intelligence is that you have to crawl before you can walk. And I will demonstrate this in the demo shortly, where I started and where I am now. Um, Companies can get value from BI without integrating multiple systems. And most BI tools are intentionally designed to be user-friendly. Microsoft BI is the most user-friendly tool that you will ever encounter. Uh, most companies, you already have BI in some way, shape, or form, whether it's Tableau, Spotfire, Looker, or Microsoft BI. Most everybody has Microsoft BI at some somewhere in the company. Um, you can also be leveraging your maintenance reliability operations. There's so much data with Emate and it's so much fun. I have to tell y'all, it's just so much fun to pull the data out of Emate and just bam, you get results and people are using it today. Again, that's the nerd in me. So. That is a good thing. So how this applies to maintenance and reliability. And I'm here to tell you guys, I knew nothing about maintenance and reliability in Emate before I started Monogram. 
Yeah, my background did not encompass this whatsoever. So don't be afraid to try something new just because your background doesn't understand. It's still data. It still has a story. You just have to create that story. Uh, most organizations use a CMMS system or EAM as, as a system of record for their maintenance and reliability group. When accurate data is present, these systems can deliver tremendous opportunity for business intelligence. Other, other valuable data sources are sensors, SCADIA, connected tools, inventory, and ERP, which could be D365 or SAP. Um, I am so excited and hope I get to do the data with the sensors for Emates. That's going to be so much fun. Anyway, again, nerdy. So uh, common M&R challenges addressed is PM versus CM strategy, job plan execution, right-sizing inventory, non-stock versus stock, workforce scheduling and workload. That's where you can get for estimated hours, scheduling hours. They estimated it was going to take a half of an hour. It ends up taking two hours. And why? And you can answer those questions in BI. Uh, asset effectiveness, I will show you what the benefits of that. That was a huge lift for Monogram. So. Okay. All right. At this point, I'm going to make you presenter. And okay. you're going to do a live demo for us. Uh, I am. Your, your Power BI. So take it away. Cool. Hopefully everybody can see my screen. So I'm going to start with, I'm going to start with, again, this is just an API demo. This is, you know, dummy data coming out of um, just an Excel spreadsheet coming out of email. So I'm going to start with the heat map um, with the assets. So if you select plastics is your actual department, you'll say, oh crap, I'm spending a heck of a lot of cost and maintenance and work orders in Oregon. Not so much in Washington, but a whole lot in Oregon. If I look at the facility maintenance, then, oh wow, there's a lot in Washington and a lot in Montana. And then you can drill in to see what's going on. Um, I, always, I always side on a details because i mean let's be real everybody loves a good excel spreadsheet okay that's never going to go away so and this gives the users the ability to export if they choose to to excel and they can slice and dice it how they want to and they can see what you have in the actual data set and how it relates sometimes this helps with cleaning up data they're like wow why is that like this well you selected blah in the system and it came out this way so sometimes it helps in you know, that area as well. So I'll move over to inventory. I just kind of threw this together where it says, I picked evergreen and plastics as a location. It shows you non-stock versus stock. And the reason for this is, especially right now, if you are using a lot of non-stock parts, it takes a long time to get them in. So then therefore that machine is just down. Uh, if you're missing a belt, a, a chain, or even a bolt, and we can't get it right now, then it's down. So we, Monogram tries to keep their stock higher than their non-stock. Um, again, inventory cost does the same thing. It tells you how much stock costs versus non-stock. Um, Monogram liked this piece of it because 
right now, they may be spending three times as much on that boat than they did two years ago. Um, that they want to keep their non-stock costs down. Again, I like the inventory details. Gives you so you can you know see exactly like oh my goodness this item number this is what we have on hand. It lets the inventory maintenance guys basically track what's on hand and what's not. And if they get down to one, they're like oh no let's go ahead and get another one on order. That scenario. Work orders. This is just different charts and graphs that you can do. Um, this is like cost by work order type, whether it's a PM, project corrective, and what the cost is. This is work order type by charge type. And this is all labor. So I just did a blanket $25 an hour. Most of the time your labor is going to be, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30. So you're going to see a greater variation. And again, I just like a details that tells you like, Okay, so this work order is a corrective. It was a labor charge. It cost me this. So, um, so now I will take you into if you start from Power BI from scratch, like this is your Power BI desktop. Oh my goodness, what do I do? So you can go to Excel workbook, and I happen to have a couple. Here's inventory on hand. And you just load it very quick, very easy, simple load. Come on, she's thinking. While we're waiting. I'm going to slide sure. in a quick question from the audience and audience great job getting your questions in there can you answer the difference between bi and artificial intelligence sure um bi is an actual tool that you can use for visualizations artificial intelligence is a program that you can write whether it's in python or c sharp that actually can also spit out data that can go into power bi so artificial intelligence is machine learning is so that um, you can actually take the data that you currently have, do machine learning for it, and then spit out the data back out to, P to Power BI for any type of visualizations that you can do. Power BI is just a visualization tool. Anything, whether it's BI, Tableau, Spotfire, Looker, just visualizations. Machine learning is like if you want to do forecasting or things of that nature. I uh, can give you a example. I did artificial intelligence and machine learning at my career at FedEx, where we were uh, doing a geospatial radial technologies to see when things were getting stolen. Was it in what zip code and city in Miami, Florida, was it being pinged all the time? That's artificial intelligence. But we showed it on a map in BI so that we could have solutions. So hopefully that Perfect. answers the question. Okay, are we ready to keep going? As far as I can tell. Right on. So we can do a table. And again, you come over here, item number, description, location, on hand. You can put whatever you want in a table, slide it bigger, change colors. Um, you can do a filter on item number. And I like, it's me being nerdy. 
Tama. Okay. These are visuals that um, different things you can pull in into your and you can change your actual filter from just a normal slicer into a search. Make it smaller, bigger. That way you can actually type in the number that you wanted to search on, like the 11103 search, and it automatically changed. Um, a lot of people don't like to click 15 different item numbers, so they just want to search on one or two. So that's just some of the things we've learned. Um, we can come in and grab another data source if we choose to, like work, open. And again, guys, I started with Excel spreadsheets. So, and loading them into, pulling them out of Emate, loading them into Power BI, because I didn't, under, I didn't have a clue what the data was even remotely about before I ever even got started. So, and we can do a pie chart, and we can do it by work order, by charge type, and so just labor right now. You can change it to a different visualization. You can change it and do it by extended cost. And again, if it was multiple, um, other than just labor, it would be, you can do it by work order type. There you go or it can be this, or it can be a bar chart. That's what you choose. So that's how you get started with just an Excel spreadsheet. So now I'm gonna go into what Leo was talking about for the API calls that Emate offers. But I didn't have a clue they offered until I got into this. So if you have a BI person, and this is something that's not hard that anybody can, can start, I use a tool that's called Azure Data Factory. That's because we're a Microsoft shop, so it's ADF. You do a get to the actual API call, so it can return back to say, yep, I'm active, I'm here, and this is just a test call. This is where I'm pulling back everything. Give me everything that's from the work table out of email that you're, that you're using. Um, we make several API calls that load into the system. You've got site, vendor, POs, inventory, journal, work order. That's what I've done so far. And with that, we're able to make things like this, where we can get into true inventory for a, you can do time intelligence inside of BI that can show you a rolling 13 weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks of how your inventory is tracking. We did things with one of the questions was percent of PM completion. This is where we have our where the PM is overdue by work order, if it's overdue or not. And then we can dig into these 61 as to why they're overdue and what's happening. We can do the percent to PM schedule. How much time are we spending on the different types of work order types? and things of that nature. 
the major lift for monogram was this asset cost. This allows us to understand where we're spending the, the majority of the cost. Was it a planned project? Was it a project? Was it unplanned? What type of work order type is happening? If it's unplanned, we can investigate, okay, why was it unplanned? What's the reason? And get down into the nitty gritty. But this at first glance gives them quick visuals as to, oh crap, why are we spending this much money on this? The other major takeaway that I just started a couple of weeks ago is the PO. This is just details right now. I am connecting this with the D365, our ERP system so that we can understand vendor transactions and any POs that's happening, as well as any third-party purchase orders that are happening at any point. So that that's the benefit of doing an API call and we load it into SQL Server. You can load it into any database, whether it's MondoDB, whether it's Power, whether it's Firebolt, whether it's Snowflake, any of the buzzword bingos that's happening for the data warehouse, or you can stick with Old Faithful and do SQL Server. And then we take it from there and load it into Power BI. This is also benefits is if you have to do any type of data normalizations. You do not want to try to tackle any type of data normalizations inside of Power BI. That would be a monstrous nightmare. Um, your best bet if you're not going to do the normalizations in Excel is that you take it to some type of data warehouse. What Again, whether it's SQL Server, Fireball, Snowflake, MondoDB, whatever. It can be MySQL, you know, something. So, uh, if there's any questions, Leah, let me know. We do have, so this is somebody following your Excel demo and then asking how you address advanced analytics without the time series data, which you more or less just showed. So do you want to talk about the rolling aspect? Oh, sure. Yeah. So Power BI has an excellent time intelligence already built in. So how you add this is you create a date basically table either inside or you can create it inside of Power BI or like I said if you have a data warehouse you can go ahead and load that into your data warehouse either way either way works I've done it both ways works perfectly fine and once you do that you can literally do any type of time intelligence um, at monogram we do everything on a financial calendar which is the 445 but you can do it on a regular calendar as well you can do both together, but the major takeaway is you have to have some type of date table inside of Power BI to use their time intelligence. And that's any BI tool, whether that's Tableau, Spotfire, anything. You have to load some type of date table. And you can create it inside of the tool if you need to. Excellent. We have someone else who's asked, could you Connect, could you use the API to connect your Power BI view to data from sensors and monitor actual machine health? So, yes, it, you could connect it directly to 
the actual Power BI if the data is not clean and you get junk in there, you know, everybody knows the term garbage in, garbage out. That's what you'll get. Um, that's why I recommend connecting it directly to some type of data warehouse. That is just my preference. Um, that has been the most successful. And you can have it running as near real time as you want to. You can run it every minute if that, you know, and have your jobs refresh the data. Excellent. That is okay. not a problem. Can you talk to some of the value that Monogram has experienced through these various charts? Sure. The, like I said, the major thing is the inventory. They're able to track to see what's going on with, and this is just dummy data. So um, they're able to track the stock versus non-stock and keep their non-stock down. The major lift, and I can show you this one too. This one's kind of cool. This is from the journal. Is understanding what's happening with their their actual adjustment. Um, this one will take into downtime next, as well as cycle count reports, and understand how they're tracking their inventory and you know why they're having to adjust so much. If they say they have 10 on hand, but then once they actually get back there and actually count, they only have two. What happened? Did somebody do a work order? Did somebody not do a work order? Did somebody, you know, what happened to the inventory? That this was a, a huge heavy lifting. The other one is the estimated hours that we are currently working through as I am currently in the process of pulling in, we have uh, Paycom, a lot of people have Workday or ADP, some type of pay system, some type of where you, you know, actually do payroll and things of that nature and people clock in and clock out. So I'm actually, we use Paycom and we have a, a hour release punch in and punch out. So I'm gonna pull that data into here so we can show the estimated hours for an actual work order was five, but when they clocked in and clocked out, they actually worked on this for 15. What happened? Why did it take so long? Were you missing? Did you not have all everything you needed when you went? What are what are the factors in, into there? So then right now, this is just the estimated hours that we're tracking. But again, the major bang for the buck was the asset cost. They had no visibility into this whatsoever. Uh, they could pull it from Emate and run a report, but they couldn't link it to what type of, was it something that was a planned work order? Was it something, what type of work order? Was it a line support? Was it corrective? They could not tie these two together in Excel. It was a major feat. So this was very simple to do with the relationships inside of Power BI. So that was a huge Huge win. We have a, a person who wants to know how to get documentation on the EMAINT data table schema and a listing of the different API calls. And you got that from your CSM at EMAINT, right? Correct. Yep. Mm -hmm. So whoever your account rep is at your CMMS, whether it's EMAINT or something else, talk to them to get that uh, the calls, the tokens, et cetera. 
Correct. And they'll set you up and set you up the tokens and everything. It's great documentation, by the way. So it's very, very self-explanatory. It gives you a data dictionary and everything. It's great. Very cool. Where are you headed next with uh, what you're building for Monogram, if I can ask? Sure. So next is the is taking this PO details and understanding the vendor transactions from all of our third party as well as D365 because we have other third party software that we have that we do purchase orders out of and bringing all of that together instead of having to go to eMate and run a report, whatever third party uh, vendor we go to to run a report and then we got to run a, another report in D365 as well as taking the estimated hours and tying them to Paycom, our uh, actual payroll system. That's next steps. Very cool. Okay, here's another question for you. For the inventory asset view, uh, does this Power BI have any cataloging standard? Uh, no, um, it's pretty well, it's pretty well fluid where you can actually create it yourself. Yeah. Um, you can actually create um, your own, you know, catalog or data dictionary inside of the actual tool. So the, the tool is very intuitive, but it also leaves you room to do the things that suit your organization. Okay, very good. I think we are good to roll over to the rest of the regular presentation, unless there's anything else that you want to show us while we're in the live demo view. Oh, one more. Thank you, audience. Okay. Keep, keep, the audience is, is letting in sure. a couple more questions. Um, sure. Can we look at the WO schedule? I'm not sure if that what that is, and the estimated hours again. Oh, the work order schedule? There we go. Work order schedule and estimated hours again. And show yeah, us what so, you've got there. So the actual work order schedule, um, we built this. Um, it, eventually, we will get to where we compare PM schedule to work order schedule. Um, the PM schedule are just work orders that are PMs. This is work orders that are not PMs. So they wanted to see like the reverse effect. So they wanted to see all work orders that were planned, and then they wanted to see the ones that were unplanned and where the majority of the percentage lies, which, you know, in this case has is correctives. So, okay. and the estimated hours are just, again, it's just um, the hours per work order. This is by work order type, whether it's PM, corrective facility, and um, this is just showing it based off a bar chart. So you can see the difference between, you wanna see a pie chart, do you wanna see an actual bar chart? Mm -hmm. Again, this is just dummy data. This is just for you guys, this is under, you know. So you can see you can do two different things. So. Mm -hmm. Okay, does the BI tool offer scatter plots and correlation analysis of data points? Uh, yes, you can actually create, uh, what's gonna happen if I make a scatter plot for this? <laughs> we'll see. Hmm. Gotta have better better data points. Yeah. To actually see that it's scattered. But yes, it's just, it's right here, scatter chart. So 
it's very, very intuitive. And you can come here and get other different types of visualizations. Uh, a lot of people forget about this, but you can get other visualizations that are sourced within Power BI. So you have two different tiers of Power BI. You have Power BI Pro and you have Power BI Premium. I would recommend Premium because you get a lot more functionality. Um, not only with Power BI itself, but you, they offer a lot of like, it used to be Flow, but now it's called Power Automate. You can pull data in straight into Power BI. You can do connected straight to SharePoint if you need to. You can have it connecting straight directly into what's called a Power App. There's so many things you can do with Power BI Premium that I would recommend getting. It's um, a little bit more expensive than Pro, but it offers a lot more functionality. So. Okay. Can you talk to the training path for somebody who is new to BI, but pretty excited about this possibility? What, how hard is it to train up on BI? It, um, on the BI tool itself, not hard at all. Um, you can go to uh, Microsoft's eLearning, and Leah, I can definitely send you that link as to where to go to take training videos on on actual Power BI tool itself. Great. So I, I can definitely send that so it can be a part of the presentation. They have great uh, tutorials. They have great, um, they have a course out there is um, learn, learn, learn Power BI in 10 days or something like that. So, and it's, and it's very, it gets you started with the basics. So. Excellent. Here's a new question for you. Do you have a goal for asset cost? What is, what's your goal for total cost? Uh, for Monogram, they have not, uh, they have not informed me of that actually. So I think they were just mesmerized by what they could actually see and what they could actually do in here. Um, as they have not informed me of what the actual cost is. So. So again, the monogram folks, they were using the reports in, they're using emails. So they were using their reports in emails, right? Correct. So by merging all of this into BI, it made a huge difference. Correct. Correct. They were able to see, especially with the asset, they were able to see what like this is a material that was unplanned. Why? Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. happened? What's the reason? Why was this unplanned? So, yeah. Okay. Audience, if you have any more questions, keep putting them into the questions tool. We're going to roll over to the slides because we have a couple more points to share with you. So, Nicole, I'm going to take back control and okay. share the slide deck again. Is that back up on screen? Yep. Great. Okay. All right. So audience, I'm gonna trigger a poll for you now, having thought through all of that. Let us know, does your organization currently use business intelligence technology that you know of? So is it yes, and we want more applications for it? Is it yes, but I don't know which one, Tableau, Power BI, et cetera? Is it I'm not sure, or no, we do not? And it's completely okay to answer, I'm not sure. 
Obviously, Power BI has been used in IT and finance for a long time, but it's much, much newer, this application in maintenance. And this is, this is new territory. So let us know to what degree uh, are you aware of or is your organization currently using BI technology? And I'd like to get a few more answers in here before I close the poll and share the results. I give it about two more seconds. Click whichever one is the best response for you. All right, I'm going to close and share. Okay, 48% say yes, and we want more applications for it, which is fantastic. 11% say yes, but I don't know which one. Totally fair. 22% say I am not sure, and 19% say no, we do not. So, Nicole, let's now talk about those scenarios, right? So how do you get this moving? So everybody's got an IT department, I'm sure, 100% has an IT department. So you get your laptop from somebody. So somebody in the IT department should know if you have this tool in your organization. And if you do have it and you're already using it and you want to take it to the next level, you can coordinate with IT to take it to the next level. The, the major thing is, is bridging that gap between what IT is providing and what you're needing on the business side. So if you start proposing and asking questions and researching yourself, um, everybody can go out and get Power BI for themselves at $10. I mean, you can go out and download it yourself and load it to your computer and pay the 10 bucks and move forward and do it as a proof of concept. I've done that. I, at my previous role at FedEx, before we brought in Power BI, I did it as a proof of concept, see what this can do, and then it opens up doors. So you can do multiple things, but the major, the major thing is, is to start that conversation with IT. Very good, okay. Now, can you talk us through what you've got here? Sure. So remember the two options that I uh, gave you, the API data load versus Excel. So the Excel method, that's how I got started. Um, I did not just jump into figuring out how to do an API call. That, that didn't happen. So I did it in Excel, loaded it, did the, modified what I need to for data for any type of normalization. So sometimes in a system, and we noticed this in Emate um, that a date wouldn't come over, it'd come over with a slash or something like that. So Power BI doesn't like that. So there are just some quirks with the data that you have to make sure and normalize. And then you import it and you can do all kinds of stuff with it. The API call that I showed you takes it to another level. It takes it to your automation level. So if you are wanting to get to machine learning, artificial intelligence, so you run Python scripts, R scripts, C-sharp applications into it, then that's the route you need to go. And it doesn't have to be Azure Data Factory. It can be any type of ETL tool. They make Talend, they make, um, Google makes one. Um, it, it doesn't have to be Microsoft because Azure can get expensive depending on the tier. And that's, that's what's huge. And now that we are in the age of technology, you can pick your own data warehouse. You can pick, I mean, SQL Server, I don't know 
if it'll be here in five years because of the way that we have data warehouses now that we can stand up like Snowflake, like MondoDB, like Firebolt. Firebolt just released three weeks ago and it's pretty impressive. So I just finished a certification for Snowflake. I will recommend that over SQL Server any day. So it is pretty impressive. I mean, you don't hear a whole lot about Oracle anymore because I mean, that's one of the older systems. So I think SQL Server will be somewhere in there at, at some point in the next five years. So just, you know, if you, if you want to get to the next level, go for the API call. It's awesome. And again, for those of you who are not in IT, this is a conversation that your IT department is probably really excited to have with you, right? Yes, they are. Trust me. If they're anything nerdy like me, they will. It'll be so exciting. And exactly. and it's not something and it's not something that's gonna require like, you know, IT is like, oh my goodness, this is gonna be a maintenance nightmare. I don't know how to, you know, I don't I don't have enough people to support this. It's not, guys, it's really not. Literally, it's a one-time setup and then let it go. Um, I think I've had one issue with it the entire time. And again, I started in September of last year. So with Monogram, I've had one issue with it. So it's not, it's nothing major. How often do you hear that? Awesome. Okay. This is our last slide. So tell us the importance of what we've got here. So what you have here is an actual dashboard that's up on an actual screen actually in the warehouse that you can act on the data. So with Power BI, you can take, so what I showed you is more of a executive summary, I would call it, versus if, versus if you literally put it out on the screen, on a line, and actually build a dashboard that can alert you when something's going wrong, something's happening, you can put red flashers up there or anything. Um, that's what this is. So, and again, start small and grow. You gotta start somewhere. You gotta crawl before you can walk, so. Now we've all had the experience where measurements, metrics get misinterpreted. So is there a risk of having it up on the wall? No, actually it helps you. It, it may be scary. Oh no, I don't know if I did this right. I don't know if this is gonna work. I don't know. You got to try. You, you can never be dinged for trying something. And actually, if it fails, you tried it, you learned from it, you move forward. So my motto is try, fail, fail fast, improve. <laughs> Very you good. Know. But you gotta, you gotta try. And I love the message that you can start small and you can experiment and that the yeah. hurdles are not nearly as big as we think they are. No, they're not. If, if you start, you, you got to start small and grow. Again, I started with Excel spreadsheets. So, and Very then good. now I've grown into this huge API call that's so fantastic. So audience, you are welcome to connect with Nicole on LinkedIn and you are welcome to continue asking questions now. We have about 10 minutes left. And Nicole, I do have a couple more questions that I can toss over to you now if you're game. Sure, I'm game. Yep. All right. How do you measure and handle order backlog? So I created a work order backlog dashboard that actually it's driven by dates. 
So I handle it where it's 30, 60, 90 days old. So if a work order is 90 days old, it goes to the top and it's in red and they can immediately, their eyes are drawn to it. So the major thing you want to do with any type of visualization that you're doing, you um, want to keep all the colors at minimum, except what you want the audience's eyes to draw to. So that's why I do 30, 60, 90, 90s in red, 60s in yellow, and 30 is in a moderate green tone so that they can see it because it's getting close to being overdue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you do it? So we have two different questions on this. And the second oh, question boy. asks, um, can you make it so that the PM completion will always be 100%? Um, kind of, would you want it to always be 100%? I mean, because you, I mean, I mean, yes, I mean, you can, what I do is I set a target to be 100%. So there you go. In, instead of having my graph being in a bar chart, I would maybe down there at the bottom have a gauge. So that my target would be 100% and it would, my gauge would fall and have a minimum of 90% or 95%. So if it gets below 95%, then it'll turn red or turn different mm -hmm. colors. So mm -hmm. again, they're drawn to it. Oh crap, why is this 95%? We should target 100%. Okay. Is there a category for critical assets? So those are the assets that are absolutely essential to production. Do you monitor those separately? Yes, we have. So I have a flag inside of Power BI. So what's cool mm -hmm. inside of Power BI that you can do is that you can create um, custom columns or groupings. You can do it two ways. You can create a custom column that says, um, and write it in DAX that says, for these types, we want to flag them as critical. Or it's an easier way to do it. You can create a grouping inside of Power BI and can group those critical assets and name the group critical, and then that's what you can flag on inside the chart, graph, or filter, either way. Perfect. Okay, here's another one for you. Can you add formulas to convert your extracted data into common measures? like weeks of backlog by craft, cost replacement value, cost work order trends, et cetera? Absolutely. You can create any DAX measures that you're wanting to. And the greatest thing about Power BI is that you can create all of your DAX measures, everything you're wanting to do. You can publish that as a data set for users, other users to connect to and build their visualizations off of. So with you being a Power BI developer, you create all the measures, the data sets great, everything looks great, calculated columns, groupings, any type of measures that you want in DAX. And then you turn around and publish that and then other users in your organization can build charts and graphs off of it. Mm -hmm. So you're not, you're not the only one, so don't, think like, oh my goodness, I'm the only one that's going to be building these charts and graphs. No, 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 no. You want to create something that is a self-service for the organization so that you've provided them the data, they can do what they want to with it, and they can build whatever charts and graphs they want. Now, if they 
want you to build dashboards or anything like that, you also take that data set and connect to it and build whatever charts and graphs you want. So you can do it twofold. Yeah, sounds like once you start showing people what's possible, that there is a lot of excitement that happens. Exactly. And the demand is out there. And they're like, oh my goodness, can you change this? Can you redo this? Can you do something? You know what? Let me publish this data for you and you can make things happen. But I feel like that's a good thing. Like that's how you guys yes. at Monogram started connecting the dots between people Correct. and teams, right? Yes. And actual. So the major hurdle is that uh, people can't get the data and can't put it all together for them to use. Mm-hmm. So once you've done that as a Power BI developer and you publish that data set, they're able to connect to that data set and build whatever charts and graphs they want to mm-hmm. and actually utilize it. So they may want a some type of complicated dashboard that you have to do that's predictive or analytical that you have to forecast, or let's say a, a you want to study the patterns of a line and you want to see what the maintenance has been on the last 13 weeks. Now, that's not something a user's going to be doing. That's something you're going to have to publish for them mm-hmm. um, as you learn that and as you learn how this works. But simple things like I showed you today, that's something that a general user could do once you publish the data for them. Okay. Here's a new question for you. Does the API work in reverse? So the question is, can you publish a BI chart back onto the email dashboard? Do you know? No, no, no. It's only one way. Okay. You, it's it's a get. You get the data. It's not a return. <laughs> it's not, it's nope. not a put. Okay. Nope. Can you talk to Power BI versus Tableau versus the other BI tools? Sure. So um, Power BI, for a lack of better terms, is the sexier of all of them. <laughs> they are the they are the they have Microsoft has prided itself on the ease of use and the intuitive of the user. And as Power BI has grown throughout the years that I've that I've been using it for the last five years now, it has gotten better and improved so much. Um, it used to be Tableau was the way to go. That was the true power, that the BI intelligence tool, that's what you need to do. Now, I will tell you that for finance, I would choose Tableau over Power BI, um, only because Tableau started with finance they know all the measures and metrics that you need to do that's already built into Tableau. However, it's not very intuitive for something else. Right. Where Power BI is very intuitive for anything that you're trying to do. And you can code the same measures into Power BI. You just have to code them. That's the only difference between those two. Awesome. Um, I did not know that. Thank you. Spotfire. I would throw it to the wayside. It's not any, it can't even compete with the, with the, those two top two. Um, Looker works great. However, it doesn't give you the flexibility that Power BI and Tableau does to connect to so many different sources. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the limitation with, unless you're going to go full blown Google Analytics, you're going to do the Google Cloud, you're going to do everything Google, go for it. It's fantastic hands down. 
I used to that FedEx. Um, but the different sources, I would either pick, I would say between Tableau and Power BI. That would be my recommendation between the two. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to roll to the next slide. Audience, you can continue to keep putting questions in there, but I want people to know that Nicole is going to be doing an in-person session. We're back to I will be there. At the Leading Reliability Conference this August in Florida. So if you go to leadingreliability.com, you can see more information about the conference. And if you mentioned this webinar that you were in here today, there's a discount off the price. I think it's a $200 discount. So anyway, this is a pretty awesome that we're going to be able to do a series digging a little bit deeper into this with Nicole. You've, audience, you've been great at asking questions today. So we're looking forward to how this evolves. And then this fellow here, James Kravacevic is with Eruditio, and Eruditio will also be at Leading Reliability, and he is our next presenter uh, for the July 21st webinar on this same series here. So just like we talked about in today's demo, right, about store, about uh, parts and inventory, and in particular, James calls it here the mystery of rarely used parts or critical parts, right? How do you know how many of them to have, how many in advance? And James says that there is some data missing there. And of course, the risk is that the rarely used part is not available when you need it. So how do you decide? How do you make this decision? So if you've ever heard James present before, he is a fantastic instructor and he will define what the rarely used parts are, discuss the challenges, and give us some advice for how to manage this. So you can take today's information and pull it straight through over to the next webinar. And you can check the Excelix website for more information and then join us for that on July 21st. Now, Nicole, I have one last question for you that just came in. Somebody is sure. wondering if you can share your sample data, and I don't know if that's a possibility or not because this person just found out they have Power BI. Nice, nice, nice. I can uh, share the um, API demo that I have. Yes, I can, I should be able to. Um, I'll figure out how to get that to you, Leah. Um, yeah, can't, we'll figure that out. Yeah, um, I can't email it out of my monogram, but maybe I can email it to you from my personal email account. Okay, so audience, we will follow up with you on that to see if that is yes. possible. But yep. congratulations on already figuring that out. That's awesome. Nice, nice, very nice. Okay, and then audience, for those of you who've been with us before, remember that after we close the webinar today, a survey will appear, but you have to give it about you know 10 seconds or so. So once I close the webinar, hang tight because we'd love to hear your feedback about today's session and about what other topics you're interested in. And then you can get the copy of today's slides as well as uh, the certificate of attendance. Okay. And that is it for today. It's been such a fantastic session, Nicole. Absolutely it's been mind awesome. opening. Thank you. Yes. Yep. And again, yep, thank you. contact me, contact me on LinkedIn if you if you have any more questions, I'll gladly help. Wonderful. Okay. So audience, we look forward to hearing from you soon. And same with you, Nicole. We can't wait to keep exploring this topic. Everyone, thank you for coming today and we'll see you soon. But bye for now. Bye.